The Poke Sport Podcast is sponsored by Downtown Barbershops here in Stillwater. They're located at 609 South Main Street. That's 609 South Main Street. You can give them a call 405-269-8590, 405-269-8590. Randall, the owner, hair doc, gives the best cuts in town. In fact, uh, you'll be listening to this on Friday. I'll be in the barbershop probably when you're listening to this. I'm getting my hair cut this Friday, and Marshall, he's going to be in there later that afternoon. Marshall, you know, you and I, we've been getting our hair cut there for a while, and there's there's nothing quite like downtown barbershop. No, I mean, it's a really cool atmosphere. I mean, it's not a not a super big place, which, which it makes it feel kind of more personal. You get to have nice conversations as you're going. I don't really like when you're at a barbershop and everyone is just, like, super quiet and not talking mm-hmm. and everything, but no, this is a – uh, super friendly place. They got a good atmosphere and it's a, uh, a good product. They, they cut your hair very, uh, very well. Absolutely. It's got an old school feel to it. They got great tunes on all the time. Randall, Joe and Rhonda hook you up with the best cut in town. They do children's haircuts, buzz haircuts, traditional haircuts, military haircuts, razor fades and mustache and beard trims. And they go old school. They do the hot towel. They do the lather and the safety razors around the edges. Uh, it's an absolute treat. It's the best experience in town. Again, give them a call, 405-269-8590. You can go to downtownbarbershops.com and schedule you an appointment. Trust me, you're not going to want to miss it. It's at 609 South Main Street, downtown barbershops here in Stillwater. Welcome into the Pokes Report podcast. My name is Zach Lancaster alongside Marshall Levinson and Ryan Breeden. Oklahoma State 3-0 on the season. It's a bit of a slow start to the 2021 season, but hey, 3-0 is 3-0, and I think I think anybody in the country would take that. Marshall, how are we doing, man? We're doing good. How are we doing today? We're doing all right. You know, we're making it through. We're we're looking forward to uh, looking forward to another game. I think this Kansas State game is going to be pretty exciting. Uh, Ryan, how are you, man? I'm doing pretty good. You know, just uh, getting into the thick of things with classes. Got mm-hmm. projects coming up, tests, quizzes, the whole the whole deal. So just uh, trying to keep those grades up. Yeah, I heard uh, heard you and Marshall before we started recording. You guys were uh, you guys were honing in on your your reporting skills. That we were. We were. It uh, took a little bit longer than I think either of us would have anticipated. Some uh, obstacles popped up there around the stadium, but we uh, we fought through, and uh, I think we recorded some good stand-ups. Yeah, Marshall, we and I, you know, you and I, we've we've done some stand-ups around Boone Pickens, and it doesn't matter what the weather is like, what the topic is. You're you're always going to run into some kind of of technical hang up or the sun's going to be too bright or the wind's going to be blowing the wrong direction. And, but it, eventually you get it done. That's for sure. Well, all of those things that you just listed occurred today. So <laughs> as well as us going to the stadium and the team practicing on the field. Hey, there yeah. you go. I'm sure so, that didn't yeah, go over our well. Original thought was like, okay, yeah, let's go, let's go get on the field and uh, do this quick stand up. Nice little backdrop of the stadium in there. looks like you're doing a, like your normal stand-up, like you would see a, a media member doing. And, um, well, we, we got into the stadium, and we're walking down the tunnel, and then, oh, uh, the whole football team is on the field. That's not going to work. <laughs> and so we were like, 
well, what if we just did it like on the concourse and it was like, well, they probably wouldn't like us having a big camera out there while they're practicing. So let's not do that. And then, uh, so we walked across the street to the, uh, Sherman E. Smith building was standing on the turf, um, with the stadium in the backdrop. And then, uh, we recorded a couple takes with Ryan and then had a lot of wind going around. So then we walked back over to the stadium and, kind of waited it out the defensive unit walked over to Germany from the stadium so we were like oh well, maybe people are going to leave uh, well the offense didn't leave they stayed on the field so we ended up doing it kind of uh, by one of the one of the gates where the sun wasn't in our eyes finally and there was no wind and there was only a little bit of music being played from the stadium so we ended up getting it down and but while we were doing that the camera batteries kept dying so we kept having to charge them for like four or five minutes so that it would get a little bit of charge on it and then we could continue moving so a whole lot of obstacles but we got it done we'll see and i did learn though one thing i did learn though there are a lot a lot a lot of players that drive their own personal scooters around campus me and marshall probably saw 15 or 20 of them parked just right outside Mm -hmm. that uh locker room door there was like 20 different scooters just where just of the players after practice they would come by they were grabbing them and just heading off their way and I guess that's the way to get around. I will say the the important thing about everything you guys just told me is a lot of obstacles. You had some setbacks involving Boone Pickens and trying to get the job done, but what happened in the end? You got it done. And that's yep. and that's what Oklahoma State's done the past couple of weeks. You know, you go to Missouri State and and it was a struggle. It, I don't think I don't think anybody expected that outcome. And then you've got Tulsa, and it was a struggle as well. And you go to Boise State, and that was a struggle, but you figured out a way to get it done. And twenty-one twenty, you know, you had seven pass yards in the first half, which I I don't think there have been too many games throughout the hundred plus year history of Oklahoma State football that um, that you haven't been able to been able to throw the ball more than seven yards and a half. But you look at what that defense did in the second half, holding. Um, holding Boise State to less than 100 yards of total offense and no points in the second half. You found a way to get it done, Marshall. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of – I see the same thing happening with this game as, as we're about to go into because when you look at both sides, and I was telling Ryan this earlier, this game right here that they're about to play with Oklahoma State, and I'll kind of touch um, – I'll touch on some of the previous games, but this Kansas State game that we're about to embark upon, in my opinion, is very, very similar to the 2019 Kansas State game, right? Kansas State was tw- was ranked number 24 in that one. They're 25 in this one. We were within the first two games of conference play. Um, Oklahoma State, no one was really sure what they were made of. We had just come off of a, a rough Texas game. Um Kansas State was coming into town. Everything feels very similar of the the kind of the surrounding information of the game. And to me, when I really look at it, this isn't this is the type of game that Oklahoma State just finds a way to win. It may not be pretty, right? None of the none of the previous games for mm-hmm. Oklahoma State the past three weeks have been pretty, but they've made it work in various fashions, whether it be dominating defense or clutch special teams plays, which we've seen two of now with a 98-yard kick return and a, and a blocked field goal at the end of the game. Um, I mean, when you have – and this is by no means a knock on Kale Cabanis, but when you have Kale Cabanis 
coming up clutch at the end of a game. Yeah, things aren't going well. Receiver, that is the definition of finding a way any way you can to get something done, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, like we know, and from, from talking to people, we know who Kale Cabinets is and what he can do, but a lot of people that were watching that game had never heard of him, right? So um, you have injuries, you have um, execution issues, you have whatever the issues may be, they found a way to get around them and, and, and make it work, which I think is what they're going to do at Oklahoma, or against Kansas State this weekend as well because there's going to be some, some players injured that we've seen over the past couple of weeks that may play, they may not play. We don't really know what exactly we're going to be looking like. So, I mean, if, if the offensive struggles continue – um, obviously, we saw the rushing game break open for the first time, but Kansas State's got a pretty tough defense. So I just think this will be a, a like Gundy said, this is going to be a fourth quarter game. They're going to be scratching and clawing. But I, this to me is the perfect example of a game where Oklahoma State just they 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 don't lose this type of game, or at least I don't yeah. I don't feel like they're going to lose this type of game. Yeah, you know, Ryan, you look at it, and and you when you look at the run game against Boise. Going into that game, Boise gave up, I think it was 179 and a half yards a game, right? It wasn't like they played juggernaut offenses. So you could kind of take that with a bit of a grain of salt. And then Oklahoma State goes out there and puts up nearly 250 yards with Jalen Warren putting up close to 220 with a couple of touchdowns. I think I think everyone expected Oklahoma State to to be able to run the ball well against Boise, but I don't, I don't think they expected that much. However, on the flip side, when you look at Kansas State – you know, Josh Sills in the availability on on Tuesday was like, yeah, they're, they, Kansas State is a heck of a defense. I think they're in the top 15-ish somewhere around in the country. Yeah, they're number six in, in rushing defense, giving up just 54.7 rushing yards a game and holding, to, holding opponents to under two yards a carry. I think that when you look at this Oklahoma State offense, it's it's been a little one-dimensional at times. They've, they've struggled to move the ball. You go back to last week, and they absolutely had to rely on running the ball because they didn't have any receivers. They're without six of their top seven receivers. You know, Tay Martin being one of those, and the Blaine, uh, the the, uh, the the Green Twins, and you're without Langston Anderson and Braden Johnson and just uh, Jade, uh, Braden, uh, Jaden Bray. I mean, you, you such a weird, unfortunate situation you know, I'm I'm with Gundy. I can't remember last time that a not just a team, but a, a, a specific position has been so decimated to start the year. So you had to rely on the run game. I don't, I don't think you can fully do that against Kansas State. Now, this is the best running attack that Kansas State will have faced uh, compared to Stanford or or the or Southern Illinois or Nevada. But on, in the same in the same vein, you know, it's not like Oklahoma State is this juggernaut offensive running unit. They're gonna have to rely on the passing game, and you would you would like to think that maybe uh, maybe Tay Martin will be back. You know the the word was they left him behind in Stillwater to make sure he was 100% moving forward. So maybe you've got maybe you've got uh, Tay Martin back, which I think would obviously really really help. But then you look at it, and maybe maybe you don't have him back. Maybe you have you know Jaden Bray back or one of the Green Twins back. Is that gonna be enough to help? soothe the the run game issues uh if you know can, can they rely on the passing game if the run game isn't as successful as it has as it was against Boise I mean the way I the way I look at it I I, I think just for the, the circumstances of what that Boise State game was 
obviously I don't know if it's it's obviously not sustainable to throw the ball only 13 times in a game. Absolutely. But for that situation, given the limited choices you really had on the perimeter and the very, very limited experience and the rain and the atmosphere, you know, like they had to do what you had to do to get the job done. And I mean, they were able to do that against Boise, but I don't think to, I think somewhat answer your question. I, I don't think that running the ball 50 plus times as a unit will be sustainable, mm-hmm. especially against the defenses like Kansas state. I think that in some capacity you've got to be able to spread the ball around a little bit and at least at least push back the safeties push back the linebackers make make them be honest you know what i mean mm-hmm. make them have to respect the run game or make them have to respect the pass game so that way it can open up the run game because i mean nothing what would stop kansas state from just loading the box if they knew that you know we're only gonna have to worry about maybe a pass passing play on a third down and i think also Spencer Sanders, I think that just his playmaking abilities, especially given right now with the injuries just around the skill position, mm-hmm. I, I think I think Spencer Sanders needs to kind of go back to that flashy playmaker role that you saw from all of his insane high school tape. And then freshman year, too, he was getting out of the pocket, throwing on the run. Obviously, he was turnover prone his freshman year, but he was making plays. I mean, you look at that especially that Texas game on the road in 2019. Yeah. I know, I know they lost that games. game. He, that was, he was spectacular in that game. He was making plays with his legs. He was ex- extending it and flushing out of the pocket, making throws on the run. I think I, I just want to see Spencer Sanders kind of, I, I want to see him get the handcuffs taken off. You know, I feel like there's been a little bit of a, some training wheels still in a way. I, I want to see him really, kind of get set free to do his thing. And I think that's the only way that it could work. But I mean, also on the flip side of this, Kansas state is going to have their own issues offensively too, in certain ways. I mean, sure. They do have very, very good running game, averaging around five and a half yards per carry so far through the first three games. Um, I mean, obviously, you've got Deuce Vaughn and stuff like that, but they, they don't have Skyler Thompson. And so everyone knows how big of a leader Skyler Thompson is to that Kansas State offense. So to have Will Howard, I think I think Kansas State's offense is going to struggle too, especially against a very, as we've seen, very, very good Oklahoma State defense. You know, I think it's going to be, Probably, if I had to guess, it'll be somewhat similar score, in my opinion, as to what last weekend was. Somewhere right around the, the 20s, the winner winning by like three, four points, you know. That, that would be my guess. I think that it's going to be a defensive uh, defensive slugfest. Yeah, I would I would genuinely be shocked if if Oklahoma State, you know, covered that six points. You look at it and, and just how solid the, the Oklahoma State defense is. Marshall, are you doing dishes over there? Yeah, I actually was. Damn, son. <laughs> That's loud. All right. <laughs> no, you're good. I was trying I was trying to maneuver I was trying to maneuver some dishes around so that I could I could get something off the counter. I'll, I'll be done in a second. That's fine. <laughs> put, oh my it, goodness. put it put it on mute, big dog. 
Uh, so, you, you. so you look at this Kansas State offense, right? They're averaging 225 rushing yards a game. I mean, that's that's wild. But it, it goes back to like what Oklahoma State did against Boise. This this will be the first. Well, Stanford was Stanford's good, but you know they're not the Stanford of old. They're not Andrew Luck Stanford. This isn't you know this isn't 2017 Oklahoma State. But with when conference play starts, both of these defenses are going to be tested. You know you look at you look at the Kansas State defense and they're they're averaging uh, giving up just under 55 yards on the ground. I think where Oklahoma State's going to have to make uh, make their plays here is obviously through the air. Average, Kansas State's given up close to 230 yards through the air. Now, I, I think what's important to look at there with with Oklahoma State and Spencer Sanders, let's just say, you know, absolute worst-case scenario, you don't get Tay Martin back or you don't get the Green Twins back or you don't get, you know, Jaden Bray back, right? You've you've got guys that are, that are, are more than capable. You know, you've got a Rashad Owens and you've got a Brennan Presley and – You've got a, a John Paul Richardson. You've got guys like that that you're going to have to rely on. They they have had an extra week playing with those guys in the offense at the number one spot. Now, obviously, you would want Tay Martin to be back because he's a huge threat. You look at what he did against Missouri State, put up some big yards, put up a score, nearly had another one there late. But if you if you don't have those guys back, Spencer has had, and, and his offense has had a, a full extra week of, of playing with those guys. And, and I like Rashad Owens. I, I think Rashad's going to be really good. Obviously, yeah. you you want to have a guy like Tay Martin back, and you saw how impressive Jaden Bray was against Tulsa. You'd like to have him back. You, you've seen in, in short, uh, you know, in short situations uh, what the what the Green Twins can do. But if you don't, if you don't get those starters back, you at least have had an extra week to go with the, with the guys that are going right now. Yeah, and um, I mean another thing too, like they the offense they don't have to throw the ball thirty forty yards down the field. That doesn't that that's not what you have. You don't have to do that if you don't have Tay Martin, if you don't have Jaden Bray, if you don't have Bryson Green, whatever. You don't have to throw the ball and throw throw those one on one jump balls. You could just just throw the ball just enough to keep the Kansas State defense honest. You know, it can be mm-hmm. it can be ten yard out routes to the sticks. It can be slants over the middle. It can be just something to get Brendan Presley the ball in space. Anything, you know, just enough so that way. I what was it? There was how many run? How many rushes in a row was it last weekend? Oh, against uh, Boise State, was, was it? There was 20, 20, uh, 20, run, 20 rushes in a row. Twenty in a row like that. That. Is not okay. This isn't 1950. Against and like going forward, you can't run the ball 20 times in a row because at that point, everyone knows what you're going to be doing. You know, just mix it up enough. No matter what the personnel is, just just keep the defense honest. Well, and I think you know you mentioned it. I mean, you can't have 20 rushes in a row. I like what Jalen Warren did against Boise, right? I mean, I think what was important was that Boise knew the runs were coming. You know, they they saw that they were able to eliminate the pass. Oklahoma State wasn't, you know, they didn't have their top receivers. They're having to rely on guys that typically wouldn't play this far into the season. And and they, they, they exploited that. They shut that down. So they forced Oklahoma State to run. And I think what's important is they knew the run was coming and Oklahoma State was still able to do it. Now, I don't know how sustainable it is 
to have your number one back the so far. Uh, and, and this isn't a knock on the other, other backs because I still, I like them. This is the only back that has been able to produce in the first three weeks of the season. LD. Yeah. I, I like LD a lot. I think LD is going to be a great broadcaster, but he's regressed. He is not the same running back as he was last year. Uh, Dominic Richardson, I, I'm not sure why he hasn't been getting as many touches as we kind of thought he would, but he hasn't been a factor. Dez wasn't a factor up until last week, and then he missed last week. You know, left him in Stillwater dealing with an injury. So you're only back so far that's been able to do anything. Jalen Warren has been impressive, but you can't, you can't have a situation where you're going multiple weeks and you're getting him 30 plus touches. Now I want to see if, if, if he is producing and, and it's the only way that you're getting yardage, then that's ob- obviously you have to do it. Like Boise state, if Jalen Warren's the only offense you're producing, then you're going to have to continue to feed him the ball. But when you look at the passing game, I, you know, I think Brennan Presley is going to be big for Oklahoma state, but when there are no other options on the field, a defense is going to key in on Brennan. It's it's going to effectively eliminate him. Get Jalen Warren involved out of the backfield. I think I think Jalen could be really solid catching passes out of the backfield, tying that in with running the ball. And that's with any back out of the backfield, get him involved. Yeah, I mean, I kind of go back to the Dom Richardson lack of reps we've seen from him. I really don't understand it. Agreed. I mean, unless there's unless there's something going on behind the scenes that they had, they have a reason to not want him to be on the field very often or whatever. I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen any reason to believe that or heard anything to believe that, but I mean, whenever he has run the ball, he gets things done Mm -hmm. quickly. So, I mean, and, and I said this, I've said this before, in my opinion, just based on the way I see things or what I've seen, I think, Overall, he is probably the, the most dynamic running back we have in the room, right? We've talked about how each of the running backs have their own little niche. Um, obviously, LD's is speed. Um, Dez is more of that downfield guy, but he was a little banged up, so we're not sure how much we're going to see him. Um, and then uh, Jalen's that, that bowling ball, shifty type. But, I mean, Dom, he's big, he's fast, he's strong, so, I mean, I hope we really get to see reps of his in quantity because I do think that it would take our running game to another level because guys like him or with guys like him, you don't need your offensive line to land or secure every single block that you're putting in front of them. Right? He's going to, he's going to create his own lanes. If someone does break through, I mean, if you, if you just block them for block them enough, for a solid two or three seconds, he's going to, he's going to do what he needs to do and get that five, six, 10 yards, whatever it is. And I mean, he's a strong runner. So he breaks tackles. I think, I think Jalen Warren and Don Richardson have obviously Jalen Warren has earned the right to, to be number one. Um, but I mean, from what I've seen, I really think Dom should be getting number two touches. He doesn't necessarily have to be the number two guy, but getting enough touches to where it would appear that, they are actively trying to get him involved in on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, and, um, it, and it didn't make a lot of sense. Boise got two carries, and, and yeah. I don't. And, now, and he doesn't strike. One, he doesn't strike me as someone that causes 
off the field issues. So I, I, it, right. I'm with and, you. And it's it's not, weird that he's not I'm getting it. I'm, no, no, absolutely, absolutely, like, absolutely. I, I, and what I meant by that is like, okay, did he have a fumble issue in practice? Did he, like, was he not picking up assignments or something like that? But I mean, from everything we've heard, is that. I mean, they felt before the season, they said they had four guys they felt extremely comfortable with being on the field at any given moment. And now, yeah, sure, that can change. I mean, obviously, LD has severely struggled with once the ball gets into his hands. But, I mean, I I don't – I think there's a, a fine line between wanting to get Jalen enough touches, but also you don't want to overwork him this early in the season, right? So – um, plus it's, you don't really know what works until you try it. And I don't think they've used Dom enough to really know what they have right. at hand. And obviously they watch him every day in practice. So that's kind of goofy for me to say they may not know what they have in them, but some guys play different in games. I mean, some guys that are good in practice are spectacular in games. Some guys that don't even really show up in practice are spectacular in games. So, um, I just hope we get to see a, a, a kind of a, not necessarily a breakout from him, but um, a a game where he is able to really show what he can do and get a good amount of touches. Um, and I mean it. In Kansas State, this might be the kind of game to do that because yeah. you're going to need everything you can get. Um, in a game that may not have a whole lot of points, you're going to need to take every advantage you can to to scratch off what you can. So no, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, and then with the like you said with the receivers, it's whenever we lose as many guys and you, you only have Brennan Presley out there is like your only normal starting receiver or only starting whatever position it is, they can kind of key in on what's happening and kind of take away certain elements. I do think, and I agree with Ryan, we need to mix in some variations of routes. We, we haven't really seen a whole lot of slants or just simple short out routes. Or, I mean, a lot of what we've seen is just a bunch of, like wide receiver screens or little bubble screens or tunnel screens, whatever you want to call it. And then a lot of just like deep balls. Um, I mean, I think, and I was looking at it today on PFF. I was really breaking down the, um, like it breaks down where the quarterbacks are throwing the ball with Shane. And I don't know if this was by design or if this is just how it happened, but in Shane's game at the game opener, he threw 26 passes, 10 yards or further down the field with Spencer he's thrown I think 13 in two games yeah. he's thrown th- I think 13 passes to 10 yards or down. and but he's thrown more yards he's thrown more passes five yards from the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage than he has passes 10 or more so I really think they need to mix it up and, and not really do a whole lot of the wide receiver screens and just bubble routes and everything and and mix it up because we have some spectacular receivers when they're healthy. So I really think we should utilize that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I, I want to go back to what you had said, cause I, I mentioned it a little bit. I, I don't think, you know, you go back to what Gundy said on Monday, they obviously don't want Jalen Warren running the ball 30 plus times. You mm-hmm. know, that's something they mentioned last year with Dez that, you know, after that Texas tech game, I, I don't want to see Jalen get 30 plus touches. And, and, and that's, it's a little contradictory to what I said earlier today on my radio show, but I, I, the more I thought about it, the more I, I don't even know if I want to see 30 plus touches uh, overall and, you know, not just rushes, but in, in the receiving game as well. Now 
to to kind of counter that, if that it like Boise State, if Jalen Warren is your only source of yardage, you know he like he he averaged nearly seven yards a carry uh, on on thirty two carries. So if he is your only source of offense, then you're going to have to get him as many touches as you can. Now against Kansas State, I, I'm with you. I want to see. I want to see you incorporate some of those receivers a little bit more. I want to see Spencer air it out. And I'm, I want to ask you guys a question, and I'll ask Ryan. I'll let Ryan answer first. Um, during our, our radio show every week on the, the afternoon sports drive on Triple Play Sports Radio, we do a segment at the top of the second, uh, the, the, the second hour called Buy or Sell. Marshall, you've, you know, we've, we've done this a few times, mm-hmm. and I've had you on uh, my first buy or sell today, Ryan, I'll have you answer this first. You have to buy or sell this question. Spencer Sanders, yep. after last week, attempted 13 passes. He hasn't has not been prolific through the air. With this stout Kansas State rush defense, buy or sell, we see Spencer Sanders attempt at least 20 passes against K-State on Saturday. Oh, I'll definitely, I'll definitely buy that. Let's hear. I'll the, definitely yeah, buy g- it. Give me the give me your reasoning behind it. I um, I think that last week was last week was just like my, one of the strangest games that I think I've ever watched Oklahoma State play. Mm-hmm. Just from the circumstances going in, what was happening during the game, and then just the the way that Oklahoma State was able to control the ball in the second half, and just. The craziest stat to me during that game was that there was a span from, I think it was six and a half minutes left in the second quarter through the end of the third. Boise State only ran 10 offensive plays, and one of them was a kneel down at the end of the first half. It was just the most strange game ever, and Spencer attempted 13, which is only seven away from 20, and I think that good, absolutely. Good, good <laughs> Thank you. Great math there thinking out loud here I think that um I think absolutely that he'll hit that 20 mark because I think that he as well as everyone on that coaching staff and in that locker room knows you have to throw the ball more than 13 times to have any sort of resemblance of a balanced offense Marshall yeah I'm gonna buy as well um I mean for pretty much the same reasons I I think that Yes, in the in the Boise State game, that was a running the ball with Jalen as many times as he did, and as many times in a row as he did. That was a that was purely a individual reaction from the coaching staff and going, okay, this is the only thing we have working. Let's not not do this, right? Like we have to do this. This is the only thing we have going for us at the moment. Like let's ride it out. With Kansas State, I think they're going to go in with the mentality of like, okay, let's balance this out a little bit. Let's let's get some plays at the beginning of the game to get Spencer in a rhythm, get the offensive line in a rhythm. And I think that a game like this will just have a better flow that will allow you to get enough plays in to throw the ball at minimum of 20 times. Which, and I know I've said this before, I think Spencer should be throwing the ball in, in a normal game, not a Boise State situation, but in a normal game, should be throwing the ball like 30 to 35 times. In my experience watching Spencer, at least what I feel like when I watch Spencer, is that with quantity, he gets better, right? His best games that we've seen, 
not just from the yardage standpoint, because, yeah, obviously the more you throw the ball, normally the more yards you're going to have. But just from a how comfortable he looks a lot of times, how in a groove he gets, how locked in, how good he's reading a defense, is often correlated with how many times he's throwing the ball. Um, that, that's my opinion. So I think, and I know Zach, we talked about this on the radio show last week or the week before, somewhere between like 30 passes, 35 passes, and like 10 or 12 designed quarterback runs, right? I think that allows Spencer to get fully into the groove of the game where he is controlling an offense and he's not necessarily just going off of scripted plays, but they're going with the flow of the game and and playing to their strengths, which their strengths are their receivers. So no matter if you're talking about the starters or the guys on the four deep, they have a really talented receiving core. So I think that's what they should rely on in the offense, especially with the, Un, I'll say right now, unreliability of the running game because we've seen one good performance out of one guy, but we have what is supposed to be three to four of them that should be doing basically the same thing. So, yeah, I'm going to buy 20 passes. I, I do think it'll probably be in between like 25 and like 28 or 30. I do think they'll get up to a good number. Um basically just to spread out that Kansas State defense because if you allow that Kansas State defense to hone in on what you're doing, they're good enough that they will stop you in in most cases. So I think that they're going to use the pass to set up the run. Another thing I want to point out really quickly, um, Kansas State is without their best pass rusher, Khalid Duke, for the rest of the season. He suffered a season-ending injury against Nevada, and he has two of their – I think he has the the most sacks on the team, yeah. He has most sacks, and he's probably their best and most talented edge rusher. So I think that is going to make a difference too. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think it's important because if you if you look at what this Kansas State defense does well versus what they haven't done as well, it's obviously stop the run before they stop the pass. Now, I'm not saying they can't stop the pass, but obviously that's what they're going to try to do against Oklahoma State because their their run their run defense is going to be solid all year long. Oklahoma State's going to get their yardage. I, I don't think it's going to be like a Missouri State or a Tulsa-type performance because the, the offensive line is improved each week. Hunter Woodard being back is a big plus. They're healthy across the front. Obviously, last week is a big boost. You know, listen to what Josh Sills had to say. That was a that was a big plus for them being able to run the ball. If I'm Kansas State, I'm 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 focusing on trying to shut down the passing attack. And obviously Oklahoma State, you can't moving forward throughout Big 12 play, Oklahoma State cannot have 7 passing yards and a half. Oklahoma State can't have 7 passing yards in a quarter, let alone a half, especially especially now that we're getting into we're getting into the the chunk of the schedule that's going to start to get pretty dicey here for Oklahoma State. So if I'm if I'm Mike Gundy, if I'm Casey Dunn, you you run the ball, right? You get your you get your touches, you try to you try to pound the rock cuz that's obvious something obviously something that they have they are are focusing in on to try to do this year. Very evident the first 3 games of the year. If if I'm looking at Spencer for the rest of the season if he's healthy, I want him throwing anywhere, like Marshall said, I want him throwing anywhere between 20, 22 passes and, 
you know, 27, 28 a game. And, and that's that's where I want him just starting off. Now, if you go out there and you got Tay back and you got Jaden Bray back and Rashad Owens is picking it up and, and having Tay back allows Brennan Presley to open it up a little bit and, and you just can't miss and you're throwing the ball, you know, you're going back to Taylor Cornelius or Mason Rudolph days and you're throwing the ball 30, 35, 40 times a game, I'm all for it. Absolutely. Because if you're successful like that, you means you can run the ball well as as well. So I would buy 20 pass attempts. Now, I don't think it's going to be – I don't think it'll be more than 25. And, and I could be wrong. I, But it just looking at the way that he's kind of operated this offense in his first two games, it, it's not – he doesn't really seem that comfortable throwing the ball. And I understand that he didn't have his top receivers last week, so I'm not putting – I'm not putting 13 pass attempts solely on Spencer Sanders because I I would ask any quarterback to to be without six of their top seven receivers and to be successful. All right, that's that's just unheard of. That's wild. But I but it is, he also doesn't strike me as someone that's going to throw the ball 28 plus times a game. So I'll buy 20 pass attempts, but I don't think it's going to be I don't think it's going to be too much past you know 25 at the most. I think that's I think that's pretty square. Now I want to I want to one more here before we move on. You know, Marshall. Can I quickly add in something quickly about the offensive line? A quick may, note that you it reminded may. me of. You may. So in um in Danny Godlewski's um journal, which is on our folksport dot com, his third uh, or part four actually. It's a good piece. Um, mentioned he mentioned how him as well as Cole Birmingham amongst other offensive linemen really did not practice very much the week before Boise State with injuries, stomach illnesses, whatever, right? I almost wonder if there's a correlation between less physical practice during the week and more time to recover their bodies and focus on their mental assignments and the drastic increase we saw in run blocking as well as just the run game overall. Yeah, you know, that's interesting because you go back to what had been the Mike Gundy Monday presser after uh, after Missouri State, I think, had mentioned between now and, and I can't – I'm drawing a blank on the scenario and the player. But I, I want to say it was – I, I want to say Austin Gerard maybe – trying to get him up to speed, or it was something like that, or maybe it was left tackle with Caleb Etienne. But Mike Mike Gundy was talking about the amount of practices, like full-on hard practices between, it was like the first week of September and like the first or second week of October, right? We're talking 30-plus days, and between that point in early September and early October, they had 10 total practices where they're going like full all out. And I just, it's something that you don't think about. It's it's because when you think about practice, when you think about seeing the team out there at the Sherman Smith or seeing them cross back over into Boone Pickens to go practice on the field, you're thinking, all right, well, they play Saturday, most likely have Sunday off, watch some tape. They come back Monday and, and they're practicing. It's like, it's, it, it, most people think of it like high school. Right, you play Friday night. You have Saturday, Sunday off. You watch tape Monday, but you you still practice in the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You do a walk through Thursday. You're playing on Friday. 
Well, I think most people are like, oh, well, they play Saturday. They'll take Sunday off. They'll do tape on Monday, and they'll practice, do like kind of an easy day. And then it's hardcore Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, do a walkthrough Friday. But in all reality, from September to October, they have 10 practices where where they really get a full workload. And I, that's crazy to me. But when you really think about it, when you got guys like, you know, like you said, Godlewski, who they, the offensive line was dealing with some sickness and, and maybe a few nicks and, and bangs there, they didn't practice a whole lot last week, and yet they were out there playing on Saturday. So it, it's and interesting. They looked really good, and they looked like they were best, they looked like yeah. they were much more prepared. Their their best performance, and I think I, I think that that's a, a really interesting point, and I think that uh, I think that's going to be on full display this Saturday because this is going to be their toughest test yet. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, going into that, going into kind of playing into the offensive line and and the success they had against Boise State. Last uh, buy or sell here that I want to I'm, – I'm copying here. But, you know, Jalen Warren had 32 carries against Boise State. Buy or sell, we see Jalen Warren with 30-plus touches. That's uh, rushes and rece- uh, receptions as well. 30-plus touches against Kansas State on Saturday. Marshall, I'll let you start this time. You there? You there? I yeah. cut off at the end. What am I? What am I buying and selling on this one? So thirty. So thirty plus overall touches from Jalen Warren. That's rushes and receptions, not just carries. You know, he had thirty-two against Boise, but by or sell, we see uh, thirty plus touches overall from Jalen. I'm gonna sell. I mean, I'm not gonna say it gets up to thirty. I do think it'll be as low to mid twenties. Because, um, I, I mean, like we said earlier, I think if they can afford to they're not going to put the ball in his hands 30-plus times. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I don't think they want to do that. If they have to, they will. But I don't think they are going into the game saying, like, yeah, we want to get you 32 touches in this one. That I, I don't see that happening. But I, I say mid to or low to mid-20s is probably a comfortable um, range. I think if you get, like, 15 to 18 rushes and then – um, toss toss some balls out to him in the passing game. I think he can get to that that twenty two twenty three range, which I think is probably um would would be good enough for him to make a severe impact and, and get yards and probably get in the end zone one or two times. Um, but I I do think that they're gonna want to get it in other guys' hands, whether it be receivers or running backs, or have Spencer making plays with his feet. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and sell 30 plus, but I do think that he will be within the, the low to mid twenties. Agree. Ryan, just because I feel like it, I'm going to play devil's advocate here and buy. And here's my reasoning. Just because I want to play devil's advocate, think about, think this through. So odds are, we know that Saturday is going to be, Probably a low-scoring game. More and, and Oklahoma State has showed that they they really value right now, especially trying to control time of possession and keeping their defense off the field as much as they can. Because over the first two games, and I think I haven't checked it after week three, but I'm sure it probably still stands. Oklahoma State's defense averaged the most drives on the field per game, and that's I don't think that I think they realize. We do not want to do that, so we need to control control the ball, control the clock, and keep the defense rested. So 
I think Oklahoma State has found their pretty clear running back one right now, Jalen Warren. And I think that they – so my, my devil's advocate argument is just that. You know, I think they're going to try – yes, I think they will get Spencer involved much more, and I think they'll let him throw it and spread it out to some other people. But I would not be shocked to see Jalen get 30 touches in the game. I, do I realistically think it will happen? Maybe. It's close, but I just kind—I of, I just kind of felt like doing the, uh, the 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 other argument, so I don't have the same answer as Marshall. No, and I think that's good because it, I'm I'm a little torn when I look at it going back and forth because I would like to say that Oklahoma State is going to have more offensive production against Kansas State. Now that's that, that, that's obviously you. the reason why Jalen Warren had 32 carries against against Boise because when you look at it right LD Brown had four carries for two yards and Dominic Richardson had two carries for four yards so and, and then Spencer Spencer had a decent game on the ground you know he had 15 carries for 40 yards and a touchdown but when you when you look overall I mean they had 87 receiving yards that's out of six receiver or out of yeah this uh five receivers they had they had 87 yards on six catches like, that's just not going to get it done. So I would like to think that you're going to have another back that's going to be able to produce. Uh, I would like for it to be LD, but through the first three games, it's just it's not. In, until he goes out there and, and shows me something, and he didn't have to prove anything to me, um, but in, until LD goes out there and, and proves that he hasn't regressed, that it, it wasn't necessarily a mistake to come back and play another year, then it's not going to be him. And right now, I mean, there really is no back that, in my mind, can go out there and, and perform because we haven't really seen it. I'd like for it to be Dominic Richardson. I hope Dez is a little – I hope Dez is healthy and we get to see him play this week. But I, I don't want to see Jalen carry the ball 30-plus times. I, I would like to see him comfortably anywhere between, you know, 18 and 22 carries. And and I'd yeah. like to see, you know, anywhere between five and seven receptions or three and five receptions somewhere along there. So I would sell 30-plus because I'm looking at somewhere between 25 and 27 overall touches. But, again, like I said, if, if he's the only source of op- offense and you have to do that, then 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 so be it. You know, give me, give me 32 carries for 218 yards and two touchdowns from Jalen Warren because that's, well, that's what we're looking at. So um, I want to I hit on the defense here really quick. Because once again, the defense was was really solid. I mean, you look at what they did. They struggled a little bit in the first half, you know, and, and I think it was more of, you know, exploitation from Boise State coming out there. And you know, they put up 239 yards of total offense, uh, 63 on the ground, 176 through the air. I, I think that that was, that, was, that was important for them, you know. And, and I'm, I'm with Gundy. You look at what they did in the first half, Boise State, Going into halftime, I understand I saw two touchdowns from Oklahoma State right before half. Didn't feel like they were winning going into halftime. You, you went into halftime kind of, you know, heaving. <gasps> oh, God, that was that was brutal, you know. Yeah. And then you come out, you go in, you go in a 21-20 lead, and you come out, and in the second half, you hold Boise State to 64 yards of total offense. And I know you guys know this answer, so I'm not going to ask it, but earlier this week, I was like, you, you by chance happen to know how many rushing yards? Boise State had in the second half, uh, and the answer I is they 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 didn't. Ryan, they actually owed. Say, I think it was zero. They, they owed yardage. They they owed two. They were negative two rushing yards 
yeah. the second half. So technically, Oklahoma State had uh, they had 80 total rushing yards in the second half. So even though it was only 78, but if if you can get a now you may never see another half like that again. And and I'm not saying that because Oklahoma State's defense isn't going to play that well again. But the second half of the Boise State game was such an anomaly. You hold them to 64 total points. You know, they had they had 10 carries for negative two yards. They only had 12 pass attempts, and that includes an interception. They had 66 passing yards. I mean, you look at just how solid that defense was. You know, and the, the front six, the front seven was really solid. Brock Martin had a hell of a game, two sacks, two and a half tackles for loss. Malcolm Rodriguez, you know, eight total tackles. You had a pick there on the back end from Colby. Jason Taylor in his first full game as a starter played really well. Uh, The other linebackers, you know, Devin Harper, I I loved Brock Martin's quote the other day talking about uh, Bachmeyer. You know, he had to kind of come off the field there for a little bit because uh, Devin Harper split him in two. They they got after the quarterback all week long or all game long, and if that's something that they can do – if that's something they can do against Kansas State and they're in the backfield and and they're pressuring Will Howard, I like Oklahoma State's chances to limit the yards and points from Kansas State. Completely agree. Completely agree. I think that if you can put some pressure on Will Howard, who unfortunately has more experience than what a team would want from their backup quarterback, given Skylar Thompson's injury issues the last two two and a half years but he still is pretty inexperienced if you can get put some pressure on him I think you can have him make him make mistakes make him throw throw passes throw places that he doesn't want to maybe lose the ball a couple of times you know I think that I think that I think Jim Knowles knows that too and I think that he'll dial up some pressure especially in second third down situations absolutely Marshall yeah, I mean, I, I think that Jim Knowles is the guy to rely upon, and, and we've learned that. Um, I, I'll, I'll be interested to see how much of the defense, because we always hear about offensive coaches kind of holding back a playbook early in the season so they can kind of unleash it when they get to conference play. I'm, I'm interested in seeing how much more our defense can do. Like, yeah. can our defense do – better have they not been running certain packages that they may be pretty good at but maybe they've been holding so that they can get around and i'm not necessarily um by no means is kansas state a a offensive juggernaut but they do have a good running game so i mean they may have some some tricks up their sleeve or something that they're going to throw at kansas state that we haven't seen before so i am interested to see over the next this game and over the next few games how how good can our defense be? How good are they actually? Because, I mean, we haven't, at least from what I've noticed, we haven't really seen a whole lot of um, crazy blitz packages or I mean, we've seen a couple of kind of all-out blitzes to get pressure, but, I mean, it's, it's the people you would expect to be blitzing. I mean, um, so I'm, I'm interested to see what kind of, not necessarily progression, but um, changes we'll see in the offense because, or changing the defense because obviously we keep talking about offense, but I'll be interested to see what we what we kind of change up and can modify on defense too. Yeah, and I think what's interesting and and really important going back to the Boise State game is the fact that the Oklahoma State offense 
had 21 minutes of possession in the second half. They that was the mm-hmm. you know that's something that you and I have talked about, Marshall, the past couple of weeks. That's really really important is keeping the Oklahoma State defense off the field. You know because you go through that first you know the first couple of games and and while it seemed you know while like on paper it 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 read that it was relatively even between offensive and defensive time of possession. Oklahoma State's defense was on the field a lot in the second half against Missouri State and a lot against Mm -hmm. Tulsa. Boise State had the ball for less than nine minutes in the second half. Now, I don't know how much longer – I don't know how many more games Oklahoma State can do that, you know, where the offense just controls the line of scrimmage that much. They're looking at six, seven, eight-minute drives, and they're they're keeping an opponent off the field. But if Oklahoma State's offense can kind of figure it out and click a little bit, Ryan, the fact that if they can keep the Kansas State defense on the field and and give some more life and more juice to this Oklahoma State defense, I think that's going to be huge moving forward. I think so. And another, not to like absolutely switch gears per se. Oh, by all means, please. I think I'm interested to see kind of this battle between the uh, the special teams too. Agreed. You know, Oklahoma mm-hmm. State has had a, a very, very, very good all-around special teams unit this season, and Kansas State is always known for their elite special teams. I think I saw an, like an insane stat that they have like 20 more return like special teams touchdowns than second place Alabama behind them. They have like 20 more special teams touchdowns. And since like 2000 or something like that. And it just shows how elite they are in the return game. And they always have, always have a good punter, a good kicker. I think special teams, especially in probably what will be a low scoring game, I would assume. I think that could make a huge difference if Tom Hutton is able to down one inside, inside the five, inside the 10 on a, late game situation if Mm -hmm. Oklahoma State is able to get uh, another blocked field goal or blocked extra point or something along those lines or if LD Brown or Brandon are able to to break one and either score it or give Oklahoma State's offense good field position you know I I think special teams could be huge yeah no absolutely I think that's I think that's really important to hit on as well kind of shifting gears here just a little bit Marshall I want to hit on some recruiting Obviously, recruiting uh, the recruiting front from a, a publicity standpoint hasn't necessarily mm-hmm. been all that hot. I mean, it obviously the the recruiting staff never sleeps, and and it's all going on behind closed doors. And you'll see each week they're sending out graphics to some of their top guys and their commits and and stuff like that. But as we inch ever so closer to that December signing period, let's look at the mm-hmm. offensive side of the ball first. Who are some names that we really need to try to try to keep an eye out, look at, keep an eye out on as we move forward throughout the rest of the fall uh, fall season? Well, I mean, really, for a couple, honestly, for a couple months now, they've had their skill players locked down. Mm-hmm. Um, the The rest of this class is really about landing offensive linemen. Um, and then maybe a wide receiver. If there's only one wide receiver left on the board that they would, yeah. um, that remains uncommitted, and that, that's Brendan Thompson, who was at the season opener. So they still they still have a chance there. Um, but really, it's 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 the offensive linemen that we're looking for. They have one committed in Austin Kowicki out of Frisco, um, Texas. But outside of that, they uh, during June we really thought that they not necessarily had it wrapped up, but 
they had five or six guys that they really liked on official visits, um, one of which was Kaweki. But they thought that they were they were pretty comfortable with thinking they were going to get at least like three of them, right? And it just didn't happen. Um, I mean, one commits to OU, one commits to Kentucky. And before you go saying like, oh, Kentucky, like what does Kentucky have on Oklahoma State? That It's his dad's alma mater. His dad played football there. Um, there was one that they kind of stopped recruiting because they, they weren't really – um, in love with his size, and he goes to Indiana, and then um, one, like I said, one ended up at um, A&M, and then one ends up at freaking Oregon. So it kind of fell apart on the offensive line side of things, and now they're still looking for guys, but just some names to look for now. I think the biggest one at the moment is probably Tyrone Weber. I yeah. know we've talked about him several times out of the Mexico military. Um, he's got a, he's got a top group that Oklahoma State is in. I, I think they have a pretty good chance. Um, Oklahoma State has done pretty well in the past with um, some of those states out west. Um, and he's a uh, Canadian native. So they kind of have a couple ways to tie into him, relate to him, kind of show him like, hey, we have we have Canadians that have come through and really succeeded and have felt like they're at home. And we've got kids from out west that are here and feel like home. So well, hell, there's two we Canadians in the NFL and, right now. I mean, yeah, and so and it's not even just football for Oklahoma State. They have had a Canadian on the baseball team. I think they had a Canadian um, at track. I mean, it, like Matthew Alexander have, on the basketball team. Yeah, basketball. So um, that's their pitch to him. Um, and, and he's a he's a big guy. He's they're looking for tackle type bodies, the long guys, the tall guys, six, seven, six, eight guys. Um, and that's where um, a guy by the name of Quentin Harris comes in out of Arlington Seguin. Um, that's a senior. I was able to watch him before he had any offers this summer at a uh, camp. Had no idea who he was um, going into it, but he really impressed. He's extremely long, um, which is what you're looking for. Um, and yeah, what then, is he, uh, 6 8, 280, I think. Yeah, he's about 6 8. Um, and yeah, roughly 275, 280. Um, right now, so he's already got the frame, and you bulk him up probably 15, 20 pounds, and you're, you're rocking and rolling. So, those are probably the top two guys. Now, they've offered a couple others, but at this point, I haven't really seen much movement with them, um, like, or anything in their recruitment, not just necessarily Oklahoma State with them, but. Um, I mean, the offensive line will probably – it'll probably come down to late in the season or signing day or potentially even the, the February signing period before we really know what this offensive line class is going to look like. But um, with a lot of these 2022 guys that are committed already, most of which are skilled players on offense, um, a lot of them are going to be early enrollees, um, which we saw a lot of last year. I think there was like 11 guys last year, and there I think there's going to be at least that many out of this class. Um, that are early enrolling. So um, that's something we've seen a lot of recently um, around around the country, and I think it'll just keep getting more and more popular. Uh, I know C.J. Brown is, Landon Dean is. Um, I think the Shetrons might be. I'm not sure. I'm not completely sure on that one. I think Ollie will be. Um, Braylon's going to be a summer guy, but um, talked to him the other day. Interesting interview that I'm going to put up. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of the, the outlook on the offensive side. Um, but they're solidified at quarterback, running back. They've got a nice group of wide receivers. 
and uh, slash one of them tight end being Tabry Shetron. Uh, but now it's just time to kind of close in on some some offensive linemen. Yeah, you know, and, and, and that's something that we had talked about for the past two or three months. I mean, Oklahoma State, especially with offensive line, they, they've never really they, – I don't want to say never, but Oklahoma State hasn't really been a school that they're going to go out and they're going to land the – the, the big four- and five-star guys that are going to commit in the spring and that are going to stay committed throughout the year. Oklahoma State, they they not that really by choice, I I would think. I mean, like you mentioned, you you thought you had some sure guys there uh, earlier this year that kind of fell through. But when it comes to offensive linemen, when you look at when you look at the end of their junior season, or excuse me, end of their senior season, that's when a lot of guys – really start to blossom and start to come into their own and they, they really start yeah. to mature. So I, it's, it's certainly something that I don't think Charlie Dickey really wanted to be in this position where he's having to add three or four offensive. No, linemen, but, but it's, yeah. it's not, it's not dire as it would be if, if you're was, waiting for a quarterback. If there was a position that you lost out on most of your targets in, in the summer and you kind of had to regroup going into their senior seasons, it's probably offensive line, right? Um, yeah, and I it's mean, somewhere you that you about, could see bringing in a, a transfer to if you absolutely had to. Yeah, and, and I know that, I mean, obviously they've got, a, on the roster right now, they've got a fairly decent mix of, of young guys to old guys. Um, and Yeah, they're solid you, at redshirt sophomore. With the, with the way that college football works, transfers could happen at any time, especially towards the end of the season. I mean, you don't really know what's going to happen. So you want to make sure that you're bringing in four or five guys a year at the offensive line position, because you might lose a legit two, three, four guys. Um, Now I know Oklahoma state hasn't had a big issue with that, but I mean, a lot of the guys, it's going to be a kind of interesting to see how this offensive line plays out because Josh Sills is done after this year and Danny Godleski is done after this year. And those are I mean, pretty like those pretty are set in stone pieces. already. And those are, yeah. And those are two of your marquee guys. So you're going to have young guys that are going to be competing with old guys that are already here for spots. And if someone doesn't get a spot, they might transfer, you know? So, um, and that, and that's really the case when you talk about a position group that has 15 guys, in a room or 15 guys on the roster, if you're like the 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th guy, and you're in the middle of your college career, there's a, according to modern college football, there's a pretty good chance that guy's going to transfer. So if you have two or three guys transfer, you're, oh, now you're at 12 people. Okay. Well now two or three of them get hurt. Oh, now we're at nine. And it's exactly what happened last year to Oklahoma state. You, you do not want that happening. So, it could be transfers. It, it'll be. I think it'll probably be a mix of both. Again, I think they'll try to bring in as many high school guys as they can, or at least JUCO guys they can. But I mean, I, I I do think. I mean, they've obviously had success with the transfers. You've got Danny Godleski from Miami of Ohio. You've got Josh Sills um, from West Virginia, and then you had a, a JUCO guy in Caleb at the end who um, looks to be an important piece as far as the future is concerned. So. I mean, it'll. No one really knows what's going to happen yet, so it's kind of just a waiting game, and and kind of how it also depends on how this offensive line does during the year. I mean, if they feel good with the people that they have moving forward and some of the young guys, 
they may be okay with only bringing in three guys. But if they were kind of like iffy here and iffy there, they're going to try to bring in four or five. Yeah, absolutely. Let's take a quick look at the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Oklahoma State, I think they have. I think they're setting at five on the defensive side of the ball right now in commitments. So obviously, you're looking to try to bring in some linebackers. You're looking to try to bring in some guys in the secondary because you are set to lose quite a bit of talent out of the middle and the back end of that defense after this season. Yeah, so right now they're they're at five, um, and we'll just that's uh, Cameron Epps at corner or defensive back, Dylan McKinney at defensive back, Gabe Brown at linebacker, Jaleel Johnson at defensive end, and Landon Dean at defensive end. Um, so they've got all three levels covered. Obviously, they're probably going to try to fit in another linebacker in there. Um, they had Jordan Crook previously, but um, he's no longer in this class, so they're probably going to try to fill that spot up, and then. Um, I honestly, I don't think we're going to be taking any more defensive backs. I think that because of the amount they took last year and the quality that they got last year, um, I think they took like six or seven defensive backs. They're perfectly fine with only taking two this year. They're very happy with these two. Well, they've got some really talented young guys already in the system. Yeah. So, and yeah, and you, and you have some guys that are, um, I mean, Jabbar Mahoney and Corey Black yeah. are, are two rotation guys now. Plus you have from last year, um, I mean, you've got DeKelvion Beam and Cam Smith, Raymond Gay, Lyric Rawls, Kendall Daniels. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting one in there somewhere. But Well, and Kendall, um, you look at Kendall Daniels, man. K- Kendall, I, don't be surprised if if you see him a little bit towards the end of this year and, and then certainly next year because that, mm-hmm. that, that cat's real, real good. Yeah, I don't know if I said Lyric Rawls or not. Yeah, you did. He's in there. Um, yeah, so, oh, Kale Smith is, is in there. So, yeah, they brought in like seven DBs last year, so you're probably only going to see two this year. Um, but then, they're, again, they're just going to try to fill up that defensive line. They've got a couple guys they're going after. Um, Jaleel Johnson is an extremely underrated prospect. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he is already pretty massive, right? He's very, very strong. I would not be surprised if he comes in and has a Colin Oliver-esque uptick in like no one really expected Colin to play much as a true freshman. He was compared to what other like D1 edge rushers are. He was pretty light last year um, in terms of his weight, um, but he put on muscle quick and he's shown that he'd be a contributor. I think Jaleel Johnson may do the same thing. And he's already, I think he's bigger than Colin already. So um, I'm very excited about him. Um, and they've got two defensive linemen. I think they'll probably want probably four. So land those down. I mean, other than that, they've pretty much got their high school recruiting class like really comfortable where they want it they have the guys they want and outside of like three or four spots um on the offensive and defensive line they just got to fill those up yeah you know and, and you you mentioned Jaleel Johnson I I put out a piece I put out a piece on Tuesday and I don't I don't know I mean it you hear of these guys but it's it's not something that has really been at the forefront of discussion just how dominant Oklahoma football players have been on this mm-hmm. defense. So right now, these yeah. and, and these are just scholarship guys. I didn't I didn't go through and do the uh, add the walk-ons, but you've got Israel Antwine, Colin Clay, Kendall Daniels, Brendan Evers, Trace Ford, DeMarco Jones, Aiden Kelly, Brock Martin, Colin Oliver, Jordan Reagan, Jeff Roberson, Malcolm Rodriguez, Donovan Stevens, and Jason Taylor the second. Now of that list, you have Israel Antoine, Brendan Evers, Brock Martin, Malcolm Rodriguez, and Jason Taylor are all starters. 
Mm-hmm. Let me let me throw some numbers at you here. The in, through the first three games, Oklahoma State has two hundred and nine total tackles, one hundred and twenty seven solo stops. They have twenty two tackles for loss, eleven sacks, five pass breakups, nineteen quarterback hurries, three forced fumbles, and three fumble recoveries. And if you want to throw them in, two blocked kicks. If we look at the guys that are listed above. The Oklahoma guys have combined for 72 total tackles, 35 solo stops, five and a half sacks, seven and a half tackles for loss, eight quarterback hurries, two forced fumbles, one pass breakup, and a field goal block. These guys have really stood out, and it's something that I asked Brock about. And and it's for guys like Brock Martin out of out of Ulaga, and then obviously you got Jason Taylor out of Carl Albert, Malcolm out of Wagner. I mean, this... Oklahoma has has really been overlooked when it comes to recruiting, and Oklahoma State over the last four or five years has done a really, really good job at recruiting in-state talent. And just look at this class, this upcoming class. I think Gabe mm-hmm. Brown, uh, uh, Jaleel Johnson, you know, you, you think he's going to be one of the more underrated prospects. I, I, I'm I'm right there with you, but I think Gabe Brown could end up being one of the steals of this draft or the draft of this uh, upcoming recruiting class. The linebacker out of Stillwater, Oklahoma State continues to recruit this state really, really well, and that's not including the playmakers that you're seeing on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, you're bringing in the Shetron brothers, um, and and I, I you you look at all these guys, and that's not even including Trace Ford, who's out for the year and. And Colin Clay, he's been out for two straight years. But you look at how good this these Oklahoma kids are. Oklahoma State's done a great job of recruiting in state, and and it continues to show week after week. Yeah, and I mean especially the past two recruiting classes, mm-hmm. I think have been. I mean, obviously on defense, you've only got two Oklahoma guys right now on this recruiting class. Um, but then the year before, like, let's just go take a look here real quick. We've got one, we've got Kendall Daniels, Aiden Kelly, Ty Williams, Colin Oliver. Uh, let's see, Donovan Stevens, Kale Smith. So that's six mm-hmm. defensive Oklahoma players right there. And, I mean, and yeah, there's some that contribute on offense too. but when you really look at all of those guys outside of two of them, Kendall Daniels and Aiden Kelly, the past three or four recruiting classes, none of those Oklahoma guys were like highly recruited or highly ranked. There were some that had like a decent amount of offers. Malcolm Rodriguez, Malcolm Rodriguez was barely ranked. I mean, I mean, and I know that's going back five years, but he was barely ranked. I think if, I think if you took, Probably Malcolm Rodriguez, Brock Martin. Um, I mean, shoot. Probably who are some of the other guys you listed off that are making Brendan Evers, Israel okay, Antoine, yeah. Malcolm, Malcolm, and I don't know how many Brendan. I think Brendan had a decent amount of offers, but if you took Malcolm Rodriguez, Jason Taylor, um, Brock Martin, and like combined all of their offers together, I don't know if you like get past ten. Right, like, I think Jason Taylor had like, was Oklahoma State his only offer? Um, because at least that's what it is on his Twitter. Because I was actually looking at that the other day for something unrelated. But 
it was only an Oklahoma State offer reported on his Twitter. Now he could have gone back and taken it off, but um, I'm looking at it right now, taking a quick look. Um, if my computer will load for me, but I mean, all of those guys, they were not really. In, in terms of recruiting rankings, they were not supposed to be this good, but that's what Oklahoma State strives on and, and, and lives off of is taking guys like that that other schools that maybe don't love as much and they go like, no, 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 we can do something with this. We'll turn this guy into a three-year starter and like all this crazy stuff. But it's, it is extremely – okay, he had Oklahoma State, Memphis, and Tulsa. Yeah, and then you look at Brendan Evers, Oklahoma State, Arkansas State, Ohio, Wyoming – and then if you look at Malcolm, Malcolm had Oklahoma State and Wyoming. Yeah. So, so I mean, you look at the the big time playmakers, and then and then like Brock Martin. I don't know what he had coming out, but I I highly doubt that it was. Yeah, he was he was the one thousandth ranked player in his class. Yeah. He had Oklahoma State, Baylor, Kansas, Kansas State, and Colorado State. So that's not bad. Well, he had, t- so, he, he, had, oh, no, he, had he had he had ten. He had Texas Tech, Tulsa, Utah State, Wyoming. So pretty much all the usual suspects that these guys are getting, yeah. when with the Tulsas and the Wyomings and Memphis and Kansas and Oklahoma State and all that. But like these guys are playing as future, and maybe not all of them, but future NFL guys. Oh, there's no question. So, there's no question. I mean, the, I, I saw your the, I saw your tweet earlier. Yeah, Malcolm. Malcolm is going to play in the NFL for a while. Malcolm is going to make a lot of money. I think. I think Brock could play in the NFL. I'm not. I don't. I'm not saying that he's going to be you know a top draft pick or anything like that. But I, the way he's playing this year, I think he gets a shot. You know, and it, the way Jason Taylor is played, I think Brock could get brought in for a, a camp invite or something like that, just to see him up close in person and see what he can do for a team. Jason Taylor, I fully expect to come back next year and be a full-time starter from the jump. And, I mean, that dude essentially oh, could be – I mean, because I was actually looking earlier, he is our highest-graded defensive back regardless of position. Yeah, and he's played a uh, quarter – basically uh, basically a game and a half with a couple yeah. of, with a couple of other plays mixed in. I mean – And so yeah, he, and he meets the snap requirements now to, like, get, like, a verified grade. Um, and he's our highest grade defensive back by quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And that's um, I think that's what's important because I don't want to minimize the loss of Trey Sterling. All right. The loss of Trey Sterling is huge. You know, I, I thought and and I'll I'll still think this, even though he's not playing, I Trey Sterling was a defensive a Big Twelve defensive player of the year candidate for me. You know, if I had to, if I had to pick a, if I had to pick a defender to win Big Twelve Player of the Year, on, excuse me, on the defensive side of the ball, it would have been Trey Sterling. And the thing about Jason Taylor is he is the best backup at any position in the country. And I'd asked Colby about it the week before, and he said ninety percent. And it was brought up again to to Brock Martin on Tuesday, and Brock's like, yeah, he could probably start at ninety five percent of the teams in the country. Easily. And and so while the loss of Trey Sterling is huge, you look at Jason Taylor, they're they're not missing much at all with Jason back there. They don't get better, but Jason Taylor is an absolute baller. Yeah. Absolute baller. So really looking forward to it. 
Um, Ryan, real quick here before we get out of here. Yeah, give me. I a, am still here. Oh, you are. Oh, hey, what's up? Uh, give you guys are great, by the way. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, give me a score prediction. Hmm. I, to me, I agree with Marshall. This does feel like a game that Oklahoma State typically finds a way to win. So I'm going to say, give me 23-17 Oklahoma State. Yeah, gum, son. That's a low one. But I, I can feel it. I, 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 I do not doubt that it could be a knockdown, drag-out, low-scoring you know, a lot of lot of ground and pound type of type of plays, and whoever has the ball last, absolutely. So that would be my guess. So of course, now that I say that, it's going to be forty-five thirty-five. Marshall, what do you got? Um, I'm gonna go with Oklahoma State pulls this one out. I think they, I think they uh, win this one. I I don't know what what number range comfortable would mean. I guess comfortable would mean like more than a touchdown. Um, I'm going to say somewhere in the range of like 29 to 13 Oklahoma state. Wow. That is a, that's a, that's a good one. That, that, that is a good one. And I don't fault you. You know, I've had a couple of games like that this year that I've, I thought Oklahoma state could really pull it out and, and it's yet to happen. You know, when we look at it, Oklahoma State is 23-16, 28-23, and 21-20. They're 3-0, and just as easily could be 0-3. I'm, I'm going to predict that they finally break that 30-point mark. Give me 31-28 uh, Oklahoma State. And I think that it's going to be a, a scenario where you're going to have to see the defense come up pretty strong late. Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe three and a half, four minutes left to go in the game, two, two and a half minutes left to go in the game. And kind of like kind of like Boise State, the defense needs to come up with a huge stop and the offense needs to an offense needs to try to move the ball down the field just a little bit to try to run out the clock. So give me give me 31-28 and uh, it's going to be it's going to be another close one i think it's like mike gundy said we're going to be going into the fourth so quarter the, with this one again so. so the spread is 6 um marshall has oklahoma state covering i have it being a push and you have it being where they don't cover but they win yeah and and i they have I, all the bases covered i'm still surprised except for one i'm still surprised that it it opened up at 9 and it's still setting at 6 and that's not because yeah. I think Kansas State's a better football team than Oklahoma State, but when you look at Kansas State, they're ranked. Oklahoma State's really struggled to move the ball the last couple of weeks. Uh, I just I, I'm surprised that like if anything, it should have been Oklahoma State three, you know what I mean, or Oklahoma State two and a half, where it's either it's either yeah. even or Kansas State has a half a point or whatever on the road. I, I found that I found that really crazy, and I I could see it moving. You know, I, I could see it getting a little closer to Kansas State as the four. week goes on. Yeah, get it. Probably, I, I doubt it moves too even, but I, I could see it dropping a point, point and a half here in the next couple of days. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, Marshall and I, we're going to be live uh, from the hideaway on Saturday at 1 p.m. The Orange Nation tailgate show on Triple Play Sports Radio. Uh, we've been at the hideaway the past couple of weeks, and obviously it wasn't the Tulsa game. <laughs> that was a, a rather bright or uh, a dark and early morning. 
uh, in studio, but any any kickoff that's not 11 a.m., Marshall and I are going to be live from the hideaway. So we'll be back there this upcoming Saturday at 1 o'clock, like I said, the Origination Tailgate Show on Triple Play Sports Radio. Really looking forward to that. I've really enjoyed that. So be sure to uh, stop out by the hideaway and, and uh, come say, hey, come say what's up. You know, we'll uh, – We'll give you a wave or a fist bump or something. I don't know, but we're going to be enjoying some. Maybe good I'll pizza. even. Maybe I'll have to stop by. Hey, you know what? We're going to have a. We'll have a four line mixer. You know, so stop on by. Maybe you'll see Ryan. We don't know. It could be anybody. We might have Eli Letterman of the Tulsa World. I don't know, but it's going to be fun no matter what it is. And um, be sure to check out PokesReport.com for all the latest and greatest Oklahoma State news. Pick you up a premium subscription so you can read stuff like the word according to Godlevsky, the only place you'll hear from the Cowboys senior uh, center from Ohio. For Ryan Breeden, Marshall Levinson, I'm Zach Lancaster. We'll talk to you next time here on the Pokesport Podcast here on PokesReport.com.